Welcome to episode four of Trev Talks, the podcast. And I'm joined uh, today by the Eastbourne Borough Chairman, or I believe he's still the chairman anyways, but I'll ask him that in a moment. David Blackmore. David, thanks for coming on. No worries, Trevor. I'm happy to be here. And you are still the chairman? Am I right? Um, I'm still the chairman at the moment. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Eastbourne Borough obviously had a lot of uh, coverage the last about month or so, haven't they, uh, across non-league football? Um would you like to? Yeah, uh, very, very, very exciting times. So, um, yeah, basically, um, quite a while back now, I, we entered discussions with Simon Leslie um, about taking over a controlling interest in Eastbourne Borough Football Club. Um, a little bit complicated because of the structure that we always yeah. set up. And I, I think, you know, I've been on podcasts with you in the past. That's right, yeah. About the setup of Eastbourne Borough. So we, we, we're always a CIC and our majority shareholders were Acorns Charitable Trust, um, who owned the lease on the land and were going through the process of purchasing the land. So, so that setup made it a little bit more complicated about how we could ever kind of sell the football club or, or anything else. And for us as a football club as well, um, when we entered into the discussion, it was always about how do we safeguard the future of the football club sure. rather than just selling off to somebody who one day might be a property developer and, and sell on the land. So it's quite a complicated process, um, but we're pretty much there now. So we've exchanged contracts. Um, the club is now, in effect, we're in between that exchange of contracts and completion. Yeah. So so I am currently still the chairman because yeah. we still own it until completion. Sure. Um, but... We're operating under Simon's direction. We're operating the club on his behalf, in effect, at the moment, in, in reality. So. Okay. Was it something you were looking at, or did Simon approach you? No, we, we weren't ever looking at it. Um, Simon approached us, um, and it's one of those things that, you know, as chairman of the board, I, I felt obliged to take it to the board. Um, mm -hmm. And when we looked at it, um, I don't think it's any secret that, you know, operating a football club at this level is incredibly expensive. Indeed. You know, when I took over as chairman four and a half years ago, my first job was to go to the National Press and say we were in trouble and likely to go out of business. Um, we've managed to turn that around. COVID happened. Um, you know, and we, we were in a very stable, good position. And the club had formed incredibly well for two or three seasons since bringing Danny in. Um, been up at the top end and looking at playoffs and, and everything else. So no, we, we weren't looking at it. Um, however, when we started speaking to Simon and when you start looking at the additional costs that are going to be involved next season with more travel down to the yeah. West Country, yeah. um, and you start looking at the age of the stadium, the age of the assets that we've got, and but it wasn't necessarily about on the pitch it, it's as much about what's off the pitch. So mm. you know, we, we need to start investing in kitchen equipment, you know, start looking at some renovations on the stand. You know, this stadium was built a long time ago mm. and was the envy of non-league football when it was built. It was, yeah, you're right. Um, and over the years, we, we haven't necessarily been in that financial position to invest in it again and kick on again. So, so I think when we looked at it, it seemed to make sense. And the more and more I spoke to Simon and the more I listened to his vision of where he wanted to take the football club, um, the more I was sold on the idea that it, this was the best thing for Eastbourne Borough Football Club. 
Now that doesn't necessarily mean I wanted to do it. Mm. Um, and and I still remember my first time presenting to the board and then going and presenting to Acorn's Charitable Trust. And I said as Eastbourne Borough Chairman and as a fan of Eastbourne Borough since the very early days of Eastbourne Borough, the last thing I wanted to do was hand over control to somebody else because I yeah. love running the football club and I love running it with the people that I'm running it with. However, as a fan... And as somebody who loves Eastbourne Borough Football Club, I have to put aside my personal wants and say, what's the best thing for Eastbourne Borough Football Club? And the best thing for Eastbourne Borough Football Club was this sale that we've done. Does um, Simon have much of a football background? He's local, uh, I think, isn't he? He's, he's local. Um, he, he comes from Hove originally. Um, okay. He's around. You know, He loves non-league football. His Brilliant. boys play football. Um that's not his background. He's a businessman. And, yeah. and if you look him up, he's a very successful businessman. He's a published author. Um, he's an international businessman. Um, and so he, he knows business inside out. Um, but he did put together a very clear vision package that we he presented to me and John Bonner. And then we presented it to the board about what he wanted a future football club to look like. Um, and that wasn't just about the football. It was about looking after the players and being a part of the community and growing the community aspect of the football club. And that was really important to us, being a community club. And that's quite a big thing for you, isn't it? Because you've got quite a really good youth set up and everything, haven't you, in that community? It, it's massive. And and I think what, one of the questions that somebody challenged about on social media a while back was, so Acorns Charitable Trust now own the land that yeah. the football club's on. So they purchased land a while back. And... We've granted a new 150-year lease to the new company that owns Eastbourne Borough Football Club. And somebody was like, why are you doing it for so long? You know, that's ridiculous. Why would you do such a long thing? The very reason that we've done that was to safeguard the future of the football club mm. because that lease contains all of the safeguards that were put in place when Acorns Trust first bought the land. And that is that it has to remain a sporting hub for the community and the only things that can ever be built on the land are in support of either support, the community, or in support of those actions. So nobody can ever go and build a housing estate on it. And that's now safeguarded for 150 years. Because if Simon ever was to sell on that lease, mm. he can only sell it on with those conditions still in place. So what we've done by doing that long-term lease is safeguarded the fact that that football club will always remain the primary focus down there and anything else that happens will only be in support of the community or sport on that land. I think as you say, it's quite it's, it's realistic as well that, you know, to, to be able to survive at, even at National League South level now, you've got to have a good budget and money you know, we saw what came into the game last year with Wrexham and Notts County. We've got Chesterfield throwing money around already this summer as well. You just can't, Absolutely. you know, survive. You know, you, you have to be, I suppose, really I just have one of those seasons where if you've got a low budget and it just works, you know, to kick on from there. But it's few and far between, isn't it? Do, do you know what? I mean, we've had a couple of those seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. You know, we, we had one of the lowest budgets in the league. And if you were to say you know, value for money for the value of the squad, we probably were the best performers in the league. Yes, actually. yeah. Getting in the playoffs, getting to eighth, you know, and historically we were always looking behind our shoulders at relegation. That's right, yeah. So 
So the work that was done was absolutely brilliant. And, and Danny had done a brilliant job in delivering that for us. But I think if you want to stay there and you want to kick on, you've got to have some finance behind it. And we just didn't have that finance to be able to yeah. do that, actually. And Simon's got a very clear vision that he wants to bring a football league club to Eastbourne. And he wants to impact the community, Eastbourne as a whole, and bring football league football to Eastbourne. And, yeah. and when you look at that and the holistic approach that he's taking, and, and you can see just from the backroom staff that he's brought in, that approach that he's taking to looking after the players and, and everything else, that it has to be good for the future of Eastbourne Borough Football Club. Mm. Did you also look at it as well and, and thought of like the timing of when Simon came in with his proposal and you thought, Christ, we're sort of like, we're not far away from pre-season, we're not far away from a new season and have we, uh, have you know, will it undercut what we're already had in place or working to do? Would it be too tight a deadline? We, we did look at that and I, I think, listen, ideal world, we'd have probably started speaking to Simon two, three months before. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, um, and the other aspect is because of all the wranglings behind the scenes about safeguarding the future of the club and safeguarding mm. what we had in place as a CIC and Acorns Charitable Trust quite rightly as our major shareholders challenging us on some of the aspects of it, it took a bit of time. You know, but I, I think I'd rather get it right than rush mm. it and get it wrong. Yeah. Now, has that put some pressure on getting things done quickly? Probably. Probably. Um, but you can see, I, I mean, I, I think what we have now, nine new signings in the last three, four Something days. like that, yeah. It's been a lot I've been trying to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, Mark Beers just put a, a post out about 10 minutes ago looking at, you know, his reflections on the first few days of training. And yes, there'll definitely be that work on gelling the squad together. You have to do that because we've changed to a full-time model straight away. Mm. Um, so so all those things, and I know a lot of the fans are getting frustrated with, we don't know who the players are, we don't know what this is. Well, moving to a full-time model, there clearly had to be negotiations going on with the players that were already contracted, who didn't want to commit to that. And so it wasn't right to air all of that out in public, actually. But all that was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, um, like you say, it's a bit part and parcel of being a full-time outfit. I mean, tried being a Barnet fan for the last four or five years. You normally yeah, start, start the season, you're like, who's who's who? Whereas this year, probably the first year, first summer we've had stable for about five years. And it's already showing that people, less fans are panicking on social media that we haven't signed such and such or so-and-so because, you know, they've understood the process a little bit of what yeah. we've done the last two and years. I, I think what was great, and, and it was one of those things, so... I, I think one of our directors asked Mark Beard the question, right, you know, which, which of the players that are contracted are you keeping? And he went, I'm going to keep them all if they want to stay. They've got mm. a contract. Yeah. They've earned that contract. Mm. They deserve the chance to come and live the life of a professional footballer and be full-time. So they were all offered that. Some of them, obviously, you know, they have day jobs. They, yeah, they of course. They don't want to go to full-time football. Um, I'm really chuffed we've managed to keep hold of Brad Barry and persuade him to come back into full-time football and be the club captain next season. I think that was a real key signing. Um, and there's there's two or three of the younger lads who are absolutely thrilled that they're getting their chance to have full-time football mm. at Eastbourne Bar. Um, mm. And when so, you look at it as well, Dave, there's not a lot of full-time clubs 
around the Sussex area, are there at all? No, no. So th- there's quite a few, you know, there's some local lads that are down there training this week. Mm. that have got the biggest smiles on their faces and are living the dream and are, you know, actually we've got the chance to play full-time football in our hometown club and do it brilliantly. And, you know, we, young lad Freddie Carter, who went off to Gillingham at the age of 16, and he's just come back to us now. He's, he's 18, 19. And I met his mum in the car park and and she gave me a huge hug and was just like, this is just, this is better than anything he had at Gillingham. And he's so thrilled about it. And to be able to have that for some of our mm-hmm. local lads, it, it's just a very proud moment, actually. And I suppose, you know, for, for those of us that have been involved for a long time, listen, it, it's, you hate the fact we've had to give up control of the football club. I do. I, yeah. I fully admit that. Um, and and it's taking some for me to come to terms with not having a say in every single decision that goes on the yeah. club. But I'm very proud of the fact that I've got the club to the point and looked after it long enough to be able to give it this opportunity. And I think it's a really exciting opportunity. Absolutely. Um, Simon's really got a vision. Alan Williams has come in as the CEO. He's got vast experience at you know, Crawley, Millwall, of having taken clubs through this process. So everything's in place and right to take the club forward. And now we just have to sit and go along for the ride, really, and truthfully. And it's exciting. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Simon's got a vision which you'd expect someone to come in with anyway. And it was always to go full-time straight away on the off. What's the plan looking like in terms of where when he wants to reach the football league and you talked about the infrastructure off off the pitch as well so what's his vision and plan for that so i i think his, his vision is as quick as possible yeah as but as is everyone yeah as as is everybody yeah um but let's be realistic i i think you know the next two years to get out of this division yeah yes, brilliant if we can do it this season that's clearly the target you know I don't think you'll be hearing anybody say anything other than our target is promotion out of this division. Yeah. This season. Will it happen this season? You know, we all know football, don't we? Mm. You know, you can be up there and and amongst it or not. And there's some very strong teams in our division this season. There there really is. You know, I I think everybody else has strengthened. And I'd argue that some teams have been strengthened by the fact that our players have left. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you'd snap, you'd snap your hand off for some of the players that we've let go yeah. into other other teams, and that's purely because they they want to stay part time. Um, so probably this season, next season, if if we haven't done that in two seasons, you'd probably look at it and go, we should be. Yeah, um, getting out of the national league. Well, you know, as a Barnet fan, how difficult that national Very, league is. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and yeah. And realistically, you've got to be full time in there now, as as Mark White's finding at Dorking, he's happened to make the change probably a year or two quicker than he wanted to. Absolutely, and and I think what Simon's done is very clearly come in and said, let's behave like a League Two club from day one. Yeah. So that we're ready when the time comes. Yeah. So so I think however quick that journey is to get us into the National League, the reason the fact that we're going full time now, and some people, you know, I, I questioned him about whether we should do it gradually over this season, whether we, we should take that jump straight away. But he's like, no, from day one, let's behave how we want to be. Begin with the end in mind. And and if you do that, 
in any leadership program, you know, I, I coach leadership, so I'd always tell people, begin with the end in mind. And mm. that's clearly what he's doing, is let's behave like a football league club and get there as quickly as we can do it. But I don't think, he, you know, he's not unrealistic. He, he yeah. understands it's a tough journey ahead. Probably, yeah. And, and then what does the infrastructure look like off the pitch? What's he aiming to provide there? Well, I, I think very clearly if you look at, you know, Dr. Niall Quinn's come in, he, he's got a background on sports psychology and nutrition. He's worked with Man City, West Ham, a um, number of professional football clubs, and he's bringing that real professionalism into what we do off the field. So breakfast is planned, lunch is planned. Yeah. The, the players have got a schedule of how they've got to look after themselves and what they've got to do. Um, and, and he brought in Jamie Strong as, as number two from Mark Beard. Mark Beard clearly has got pedigree from working with Dorking, um, but obviously Dan Ashworth came in and gave him a glowing report within minutes of asking. Mm. So when you've got that kind of pedigree on the backroom staff, that's clearly the kind of infrastructure he's trying to put in place there. Along with Alan looking at CEO and, and working on all of that structure with marketing deals and kit deals and, and everything else that goes around that as well, just to hopefully, you know, we're all volunteers. So my entire board of directors, virtually everybody running the football club, we're volunteers. We're doing mm -hmm. it on a part-time basis and, and doing our best, actually, with what we could put into the club. There's now a full-time structure in the club. And it's all the way through, from playing staff to off the field. It's a full-time football club with the staff in place to be able to make that happen and push it forward. So it can only be good for Eastbourne Bower Football Club. Absolutely. So the process to select Mark, obviously Danny went, um, you know, and we mentioned the fact, like you mentioned earlier, fantastic job he'd done for three years. Yeah. Really nice guy as well and good to see him get straight back in at Welling as well. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I, I, I couldn't be happier for him doing that. Although, you know, you know that if anybody's got any any kind of amusement up at the National League, what the first fixture of the season's going to be, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be winning United away, won't it? You'll be going yeah, to. Absolutely. Um, so how did the process sort of look of getting Mark in? I think when I saw his interview or um, I spoke to Mark White or I think I saw something with, with Ross McEvely who went in after him at Dorking that it was really quite a quick thing to get him in. Was he sort of the number one target or were there one or two others in consideration? I, I have to be honest, I don't know. Okay. Um, it wasn't my decision. Yeah. Um, it wasn't anything I was involved in. Um, I, I knew about the decision with Danny probably about the same time as most of the fans knew about it. Mm. Um, so, um, but very, very quickly, I, th I think they were inundated with great candidates. Um, and I, I think Alan knows of Mark in, from the past, um, but clearly Mark just blew them away with his vision for what, what he wanted to do and how he brought into their vision. Um, but I, I can't tell you too much about it because I wasn't involved in it. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, obviously, I know Mark quite well through through Sam, who of course yeah. plays plays left back for Barnet as well. So I spoke to Mark quite a few times um, as well. So I'm hoping it works out nicely for him. They say he's got a great pedigree and everything is a number two. Absolutely, listen, I I class Danny as a friend as well as our manager. Um, yeah. I was gutted to see him go, um, but. I think very clearly Simon wanted to bring somebody in who he felt had the pedigree to manage at that upper level straight away. Yeah. Um, and 
that's the route he decided to take. Now, I've spoken to Mark. Mark's a great guy, great football pedigree, and I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job. Um, mm. And I'm sure Daniel will do a fantastic job at Welling. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong there. I think it'd be, uh, I, I think there'd be one of the sides that will be up there because of obviously, you know, the targets he would have had in mind as well for Eastbourne yeah. that will possibly go there for part time as well. So yeah, it'd be, uh, be interesting to see how they go as well, won't it? Um, talk, talk to us a little about the personnel change with the players. Um, and obviously, you said they, you know, they're all offered the full time contracts and that. Yeah. But it's very hard these days, isn't it, to match um, a player's part time football wage with his main wage, it actually puts them out of the reach of a lot of full-time clubs. And and it really does, because some of these guys have got good jobs. Yeah, absolutely, job. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're not wrong. And, and, and even going full-time, mm. I, I think it's one of those things, isn't it? When, when you talk, you, you sit there and go, some of the players that are in League Two clubs earn less than players that are in the county league. Yeah. However, they're playing at League Two clubs for that wages because that's the platform for them to go on and earn even yeah. more money. Yeah. You know? So they're not going to come and play at this level for that kind of money. And people that are playing at this kind of level for that kind of money um, are part-time and mm. have great day jobs, Yeah, actually. And sometimes that does put them out of reach. And, and that was the case with three or four players who I know, you know, you'd love to keep them here. <laughs> But you're not going to pay those kind of wages because it's not all about money. I mean, Simon said already in some interviews, it's not just about throwing money at people. So, mm. you know, I I will tell you now, this isn't a right. We're going to go and buy the league. <laughs> he he recruited sensibly with a very sensible budget, um, but players that want to be full time and that are committing to that full time project, and hopefully it work. You know, and I, I believe it will. You know, I've been down there the first couple of days of training and you look at them, they come back fit, hungry. These are players that see football as their full-time career. Mm. And that's probably the crux of it, isn't it? Is at some point, all footballers make that decision of, right, is this my full-time career that I'm focusing on? Yeah. Or is this I'm good enough to play at this level and I've got a job? Yeah. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think saying that, I can look at the players we released in the summer from Barnet. I think only one has found, has found himself another club yet. Um, I was at training on Monday, the first day back, and um, I spoke uh, when I spoke to Dean, all the players have come back under their body fat weights, which just shows how committed they are to the point where the players that have been released haven't got clubs and pre-season started. It shows, you know, the, as you say, the difference in those players. Do you know what I and and it's really interesting. So the players that have come into pre-season this season, they come back ready for pre-season. Yeah. Whereas I'd argue some part-time players come back to pre-season to get yeah. fit for the season. Yeah. These players have come back ready to do pre-season. And that's probably the difference between somebody who's got full time as a full time football and somebody who's a part-time footballer. They've got the time to get themselves ready. That's right, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's a full-time pre-season, haven't they? Yeah. And I think as well, I've looked at the players that Mark's been signing the last couple of weeks. When I spoke to Sam Monday, he said um, Mark had got, I think, got about 15 in. So, obviously, they haven't all been named yet. But, um, again, because that time's so short in between, you know, and targets going here, there and everywhere. But um, there are so many players out of contract this summer from the Championship down to the National League, yeah. um, plus the Academy as well. And... Um, I speak to Dean quite often, so 
I know players are still asking for some silly, silly money at that level, hoping they're going to get an EFL contract. But I mean, I've noticed the last few years, clubs have kept much smaller squads right from League One all the way down. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think, listen, I, I know there's some certain players who were highlighted. They asked for silly money. Mm. They've not come in. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's not just, you know, all right, we're going to throw money at it. And you don't know sometimes, do you, with players, whether it's, oh, yeah, there's huge money at Eastbourne now, so yeah. I can ask for this, and they price mm. themselves out of it. Well, that that's not what it's about, actually. It's about just putting that structure in and getting the right characters involved. Mm. Yeah. And I know for a fact that that's one of the things that Mark's been highlighting is it, they've got to be the right character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got to yeah. want to come and be part of the project yeah. and, and go forward with it. Yeah, I mean, you get players that buy into that as well, it makes it that little bit easier as well that they that they're a part of it rather than they're just there to play the football. Absolutely, absolutely, and and that's the real focus for it, isn't it? Is do they buy into the project? Do they want to be here long term? Are they mm. willing to work for it? Are they hungry for it, or are they just looking for a payday? Yeah, and that's the difference I think as well with with the players that that Dean signed the last couple of years as well. He's gone for the hungrier player in non-league that wants to prove himself rather than the pro dropping out the EFL, which has bitten us on the bum quite a few times a bit more. Yeah, and, and it's turned Barnet around, hasn't it, really? It has, place. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now this year, much different proposition to, to whom we could be a little bit more choosy about who we bring in because, yeah. you know, they've got fit. But like I so say, going back to March recruitment, some of the players I see these brought in, people like Alex Finney and Jack Paxman that won the league last year. Again, they're used to full-time football, but they still have that hunger because that's what they've always known you know, for that's the last few years. That's, that's what they want. That's what they yeah. want to continue doing. Um, and and also, you know, I think some of the players have been really impressed when they've come in and they've been told about the vision and the way that they're going to look at things and the holistic approach that's being taken to player welfare. And, and Simon's very, very keen on the fact that actually, when you look at all of these players, not all of them will have long-term careers in football. Mm. And what he wants to make sure of is the fact that we equip them to get the best out of football that they can, but also get them ready for life after football. And that's one of the key things that Simon wants to really work on with these players. And I think it's admirable. You know, you don't get very many clubs that look after what's going to happen to you after you've been playing for us. No, that's right. Yeah, especially when you come out of the, the pro game as well. Like you say, with, with Freddie Carter, I saw him last year at Cray two or three times always on loan. They're absolutely brilliant for an 18-year-old as yeah. well. Oh. Um, you know, absolute, you know, real a real good career. You you would think yeah. you would have. I'm a bit surprised actually. Gingham didn't keep him on from you know from what I saw. But yeah. their loss, your gain, hopefully. Absolutely. Um, I spoke to um, I saw obviously this morning as we recorded on on the Wednesday. Um, Harrison Folks, you've got as a keeper from Derby. Um, I know Scott Loach quite well. Who's the number three there and the goalkeeping coach and everything. So. I said, come on, what can you tell me about? I knew he'd have, had him on his coaching courses that he does yeah. as well. Um, and he just said he's class. But again, he's another young lad who, you know, chance of first team, chance of first team, but we put yourself in the shop window as well, playing at that level. And, and actually, this kind of shows you where some players buy into the project and they're willing to take that, maybe a step backward to take two jumps forward. Mm. And, and I think sometimes a lot, of the, a lot of players are too quick to take that first initial jump out of non-league. Yeah. Take that first offer. And it might not be the right one. And, you know, agents, if mm. I can get rid of agents, <laughs> I, I, you just lose them. Yeah. Because all they care about is that deal. And you think, actually, if you just sit, come back a little bit to take two jumps forward, 
Mm. And, and get do it when you're ready to make that huge big jump. And players like that keeper, you know, actually he's got some competition. We've we've taken a goalkeeper from Dartford as well. So oh, yeah, he's a good keeper, isn't he? Uh, ben Justinski. Yeah. Ben yeah. And, and, and you sit there and go, neither of them can be coming in going that they know they're definitely going to no. be number one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good competition. Yeah, I'd actually forgotten about Ben. I saw that yesterday as well, and I thought that's a good signing. And then yeah. I saw Harrison today, and I thought I know of him because through Scott, of course, but yeah. So, so um, you sit there and go, even in a keeper position, you've got two yeah. great keepers yeah. who are willing to come in and be part of this project and, and move forward with it. Yeah, uh, it's brilliant as well. So how, how well would you say it's been received, the change across sort of social media fans you've spoken to? Do, do you know what? It's changed. I, I think that, that there's no question. When, when Danny went, there was a huge outpouring yeah. of love for Danny on social media yeah. and and huge hatred of everybody in, involved in the football club. Um, you know, it, for us, it was how dare you allow that to happen. For Simon, it was how dare you do it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it wasn't an easy time. And I, and I think at that point, all the fans are just like, oh, this is horrible. How, how dare you do this? Um, Simon's changed the club crest. You know, yeah, that um, didn't go down too well, did it? <laughs> in a lot of quarters. <laughs> <laughs> that, that didn't go down too well in a lot of quarters. And, and then when you start talking to people and you go, actually, you know, the guy hasn't just come in and ripped up the club crest. He's actually, when you look at it, he's put waves in underneath the thing, which is a cry back to the original crest that very, very first started as Landy Sports back in the right. day. Yeah, there, there was always waves underneath, you know. So he didn't just rip it up and go, oh, I just want a new crest. He put some thought into it. And gradually, I think you start, people go, oh. And I, was, I saw an interesting comment on social media the other day when there were some pictures of the players in their red training kits with the low ones. Somebody went, oh, I like that. Now I've seen it. <laughs> <And you> go, <laughs> right. so, so gradually things start yeah. changing. And, yeah. and, you know, we, we've got a fans forum down at the club on the 4th of July. For that, yeah. and, and Mark Beard and Alan to sit and answer some questions, which I think is vital for the fans to get to know them and, and understand it's not just some money bags coming in with a toy. Mm. He's got a real vision for what he wants to do. And everything he's doing is strategically placed for the betterment of Eastbourne Borough Football Club. Now, well, it doesn't, mean we're, doesn't mean we've always got to agree with everything he does. No, absolutely, and yeah, yeah. I, I won't agree with some stuff that he does. Yeah. And, you know, I'm lucky enough I get to have that conversation with him and tell him I don't agree. And, he'll, you know, he's listened. But mm. at the end of the day, he's his own businessman and he'll go his own way. That's and, right, yeah. And, and I have to say, I will support him on that journey because sometimes you have to make those uncomfortable decisions. But I think what's happened over the last few weeks on social media, and you can certainly see it in our fans' forums now, and the, is the fans are start, starting to get behind what's mm. happening. And yeah. They're starting to come down and talk to Simon, talk to Alan, and actually, they're now all very, very excited. You know, season ticket sales are going well. The vibe around Eastbourne is very positive about what's going on. Everybody mm. I talk to is really excited about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's now being really well received. It's just the initial shock, isn't it? Because it's been yeah. part-time all that time and it's been it's it's been progressing well as a club at that level. And now all of a sudden within like, we've like clicked our fingers and... You know things that things have changed, and, and and we know as human beings, a lot of people are, are quite resistant to change anyway, aren't yeah. they? And and I think, you know, for us, it's been a long process. 
Mm. So so we've had time to get used to it. Yeah. As fans, you know, and yes, people would love us to actually share everything with them, wouldn't they? But we yeah. can't share every no. single bit of information with everybody all the time. Yeah. And and so there's been an awful lot going on behind the scenes. And it's been a long process. But for fans, it is that click of the fingers, as you say. Mm. That all of a sudden they're like, oh, what's going on? You know, this, this is all a shock to the system. We don't like it. I don't like change. But now that people are starting to understand what's going on, I think people are, are really buying into it and getting behind it. And there's some real excitement about what's going on. Excellent. Well, as long as those burgers are as good next season as they were two years ago. Hey, there you go. Let, <laughs> let's let's see, let's see what the catering looks like when, when they come back. And, and let, let's be honest, you know, we all know, don't we, that the fans will be happy if we're winning football games. If they're not winning football games, then it'll be a nightmare. Exactly. Yeah, you could have the worst cook cup of bovril or coffee off the pitch as long as the team's banging five or six in they're not going to care are they absolutely nobody will care will they no it promises to be an interesting season anyway for you for you down there on the south coast so yeah very definitely we'll we'll keep an eye out on that one and uh and see where we do so and anyway thank you very much david for coming on no thank you for having me on that's all right good luck for the uh, for the season whether you're in the boardroom or you're on the terraces Hey, one way or another, I'll be down at East Ballast cheering the team on, so. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much, David. Brilliant. Thanks, Trevor. Cheers.